Am I right? Sounds, sounds good. Cool. Right, it's amazing. God's moving. Um, there's been so many words of forgiveness. And I'll just help you. Yes. <laughs> Do you want to read it? <laughs> that will be better for the guys. Okay. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, I mean, God's with us, uh, and he's just given so many words of forgiveness, and I'm just so struck by his power, and like preparing for this, and being so concerned about the words, and what to say, and doing it right, and fundamentally, I get to hear and glorify Jesus, so, <laughs> how easy is that, just, God, you're great, done, that's cool. <laughs> I also get the uh, Britney Spears microphone as well, which is very exciting. <laughs> I'm not going to mind the talk, though, so you'll be. <laughs> that might be better if I did. Um, cool. All right. So, again, forgiveness. Um, we're going to talk about Peter's denial, and it's actually a real blessing to talk before communion as well, and especially in an area of forgiveness, um, because it is just such a great opportunity to follow this um, with that time to just really put ourselves before God. So, Lord, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to fall on us. Lord, I ask that you... You do convict us, Lord. I ask that you give us the opportunity to present ourselves to you just as we are. And Lord, that you will guide us and you will teach us and you will grow us uh, just throughout this word. So come fill us all, Lord. So I'm, I'm talking to you about the, the very well-known account of uh, Peter's denial, for those that, for those that know the Bible. Um, I'll be referencing the story in Luke. Uh, so it's chapter 22, verses 28 onwards when we get there. Um, a little bit of context, though. So before we get to the main story, I wanted to share a very brief overview of who Peter was and some of the key events leading up to the moment of his denials. So I think it's worth knowing this to reflect on it a little bit later on down the line. So um, we'll go on to Peter's denials, but um, I feel like some of this might be helpful. So, so here is Peter, originally named Simon. Remember that he was originally named Simon. That will come back in a little bit. Lived in a place called Bethsaida. Uh, he was chosen and renamed Peter by Jesus, hence we have the story of Peter. Uh, he was personally called by Jesus to follow him, and following this he witnessed, ooh, jumped ahead quick, uh, witnessed a miraculous catch of fish. Uh, he spent three years, so three whole years he was with Jesus, where he was part of his inner circle of disciples. And he was in the real inner circle of disciples, not just the bigger 12 group, but even a smaller circle of that. Uh, and he was able, because of that, he was able to share Jesus' most intimate moments. One of which being he was present at the Transfiguration, and the first, he was the first to recognise Jesus as the son of the living God as well, which Jesus then told Peter was something that was divinely revealed to him from God. So he had that real relationship. Um, he got to ex... Oh, that bit there. He got to experience working on water, um, albeit very briefly, <laughs> and was also tasked with preparing the final Passover meal. So he's been there um, throughout us all, throughout some of the real key moments. Um, there we go. And he was foundational in building the church, as we later get to see. Uh, he was also frequently the spokesperson for the disciples. Uh, he was brave, and he was occasionally a little bit too outspoken, and as a result, quite often found himself looking a little foolish and something, as my wife Becky would happily attest to being a, a quality that I'm more than capable of. Um, so, leading us into Peter's denial, this is the point, right? We can all relate to Peter one way or another. Leading into Peter's denial is a moment during the Passover meal. Um, so, this is on the same evening, again, perfect to be doing communion today, because this story happens when Jesus is doing this first communion. 
so this is the sort of build-up, essentially, to uh, the denials of Peter. So this is Jesus saying, But you are those who have continued with me in my trials, and I bestow upon you a kingdom, just as my Father bestowed upon me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's Jesus just inviting us into his kingdom. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Simon being Peter here, remember? Indeed, Satan has asked for you, and that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. There's a lot in that chapter alone, and we've definitely not got time to go into it, but just have a moment to read that Satan wanted to sift him as wheat, and Jesus has prayed for him. And then we go on to Pete being fine Pete style in his not-so-humble, not-so-accepting sort of role, going, Lord, I'm ready to go with you both to prison and to death. He, he's just so bold. He's just so out there. And then we get Jesus. And you can, I, reading this, I can just see Jesus going, Pete, Pete, Pete. <laughs> I tell you, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny three times that you know me. So it's just an observation that Peter is so confident. Peter is, is just himself. Um, and he's, he's ready to, he says he's ready, ready to follow Jesus to his death. I mean, we've not even touched on what it meant by the fact that Satan wanted to sift him as wheat. But he seems to have kind of glossed over that bit and said, I'm ready. And Jesus just has this opportunity to just say to him, Pete, no, wait, you don't even understand what's going on here. And he brings him right back down to earth. And it's, it's just an observation to question, but if Pete had, hadn't um, been so recklessly outspoken, would Jesus have put him in this position in the first place? Just a question to throw out there. So following this, that happens at the communion. Um, following this, further events happen leading to Jesus' crucifixion. Jesus is arrested. Uh, and then we move on to the account of the actual three denials of, of Jesus, which we'll read. So having arrested him, they led him and brought him into the high priest's house. That's Jesus. But Peter followed at a distance. Now when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the courtyard and sat down together, Peter sat among them. And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him and said, this, was, this man was also with him. But he denied him, saying, Woman, I don't know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then, after about an hour had passed, Another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Now pause there for a second for humor's sake, because in Matthew's account it says, Surely you are the one of them, your accent gives you away. Which makes me wonder, was Galilee the uh, Birmingham of the New Testament? It's <laughs> 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 pretty fun. I'd love to know what that accent was. Um, I've lost my place now. So then after an hour passed, another confidently affirmed, saying, Surely this fellow also was with him, for he is Galilean. But Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are saying. Immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, 
how he said to him, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. So wow, that, that is such an incredible moment. And for me, and this is partly something I'll, I'll come back to, is for any human, humanly fallible person that struggles going through life, living this Jesus thing out, it is amazing to see in the Bible this sort of story where someone gets it so wrong and Jesus just says, I told you that was going to happen. <laughs> and it's just amazing that in God's beautiful, I didn't bring the Bible with me to hold it up, but God's beautiful, majestic book, um, we get to read a story like this. So thank you, God, for that's there. Um, so I want to focus on a certain aspect of this at the end, and this is where I sort of felt God calling me to share a bit more and kind of reflect on this a little bit. So at the end, uh, the Lord turns and looked at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And then Peter went out and wept bitterly. So let's just capture that moment. And when I first read this, I could almost see it as like the Hollywood film, just where it's on Peter, he's done the denying, and then the Lord turned and looked at Peter, and there's just that moment where there is that eye-to-eye contact, and Peter just went, as it all just hit. And we all know that glare, right, that we can get from someone we love. I often refer to it from my my mum. That knowing look that we receive when we're in trouble, where no words are even needed when it's just a simple, you've not done that right. And you know, you know that he's spoken to you without needing to say anything at all. Often when I get that look from Becky, it tends to communicate, stop talking now, Steve, you're digging a hole. <laughs> but we all know that, we all know that, um, that look, right? I'm not making eye contact now. <laughs> so what do you think went through Peter's mind at that exact moment? When the rooster crowed, He felt that glare of Jesus. He obviously felt some form of impact. But what was really going through Peter's mind that led him from that moment, that impact, through to weeping bitterly, not just being a bit sad, (laughs) weeping bitterly. So I've got three sort of propositions to answer that, and hopefully we'll all be going in the same way come the end of it. So do you reckon he was scared? He got caught out. Jesus told him this was going going to happen. He's like, yeah, you caught me red-handed. I didn't do what you said. I I did what you said I was going to do. Sorry, Jesus. Or did we think it was the memory of what Jesus said, just that one prophecy where Jesus said, this is going to happen, and it happened? Or, as I really think it might well be, is a reflection of the year's worth of experience that Peter had spent with Jesus which comes back to when we get that look, when we get that look from people that we love and we know what they're saying without them having to communicate anything to us. That comes out of the relationship that's gone before it. That comes out of all the communication and all the experiences that's gone before it to mean that now I just need to look at you and you know what I'm saying. So he's had that nostalgic feeling as well. When I was 13, I had a paper round for about three years, um, and six days a week I was up at six in the morning to go and do my, my cycle round and different music on, and loved it. And last year I started cycling to work, uh, and I purchased a new bike for the first time. It was all quite exciting. Uh, and it was the first bike I've properly owned since I had my paper round all that time ago. 
And it was incredible, that sense of nostalgia that hit me that very first morning when I went out on the bike. It was still early in the morning like it used to be. And for some people, may just have seen a bloke cycling down on a bike with his all fancy new high-vis stuff on and helmets. But in, inside of me, I was surrounded by memories. It wasn't just a bike ride. It was a smell of that time of the morning that you don't normally get to experience if you don't have to. And the music that I'd listened to at the time when I was younger as a teenager, the conversations I'd have with my mum when I got home, the walk to school that I'd went with my friends, the friendships I had, and of course all that teenage angst comes flooding back as well. But it's not just a bike ride, it's you, you're surrounded by everything that came with that experience and with that memory. And it's, it's not just, um, yeah, just going out on the bike. And I'm sure we've all got those experiences where we do have, where we do get hit by that nostalgia, where we realise more than just the single thing that's happening. And I think, again, this is partly what's happening to Pete. Again, what happens between the... Jesus looks at him, he remembered what Jesus said, and he went out and wept bitterly. And in between that moment, I think he took so much in. The world must have span around him as he just remembered all of these things <laughs> that he's been through with Jesus. I mean, we just mentioned some of the crazy bits of Jesus' life that he's witnessed. And he's just been caught out by, by Jesus again. And it must be it's been such an impact for him. Um, and Peter had, Peter, it's that relationship over the three years that he'd had with Jesus, which is such a long time. And just think again, all the things that he'd witnessed, Peter had been listening, watching, learning from Jesus every single day. He'd been taking his time out to spend that time with Jesus. And that, that is... I think what I believe has led Peter, it had to have such a great impact on him and led him to be weeping bitterly in front of his great father in repentance and confession. So what happened to Peter after this? Quick flick through to Acts. Well, I mean, he's a testament that no matter how much we mess things up, God still uses us. And this is slightly the classic teaching of the denials of Peter. Um, but he uses Peter in a mighty way. We know that he, he's part of setting up the church that follows. Jesus forgives him from this. Um, some will know of the restoration of Peter, which is in John 21, where Jesus essentially restores Peter to fellowship and tells him to now go and feed his sheep. And I think he can do that so confidently because he can say, Pete, you've been through this experience now. You've been really hit. It reminds, I was thinking about this this morning. It reminded me of when Carl Beach was here and saying how we, get, we, we have... We get baptised once when we choose to follow Jesus and we get baptised again when he breaks our heart for other people. And I think that partly happens through this process uh, for Peter. So following this in, in Acts, we read more about Peter's life and he is someone who is filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. He's being bold, he's preaching the truth of Jesus and he's working miracles quite actively in people's lives. And I mean, what a journey that is where he's come from, just broken, weeping bitterly, to being an absolute man of God. So what does it mean for us today? Um, I've got two considerations, really, and I just want to share those thoughts. So firstly, there's a message in here for you. So we can have that level of relationship with Jesus that Peter had. And secondly, I'm going to come on to it in a little bit, is the fact that we've been given opportunities uh, to experience Jesus and he's given us the responsibility 
to give those experiences to others as well, to those that don't know him yet. And so they're both messages for us, one's for us personally, one's for our responsibility to be giving that opportunity to other people. So for us, when we choose... There we go. In fact, again, and this times perfectly from Ben's talk last week, you'll be my witnesses to the end of the earth. When we choose to accept Jesus as king, the same Jesus that Peter lived with is physically living in us, providing us with his direction. It's a, it's a fact that we have living with us, within us, the same Jesus that, that Peter was sat at a table across from. It's the same person, and we can be influenced by him in the exact same way that Peter was. He's, av- he's available to us. And if you've not accepted him in yet, come and get someone to pray for you today because you are so loved and you are so welcome. And to go back to the first, the build-up at the story before the communion, and he says, um, I've bestowed upon it, upon it a ki- I have, and I bestow upon you a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. In there is just such a direct invite from Jesus to say, you are welcome to come and sit with me. You are welcome here. And we can read that and we can know that. If you don't know him yet, if you haven't said, I want to come and sit at that table, then make an opportunity tonight. Again, we have communion coming up and we'll have some time to pray at the end. Um, You are so loved and you are so welcome into his kingdom and his loving arms. So that might be scary, but once we're in that active relationship with him, well, that's the hard bit, right? Giving yourself is hard, but carrying life in that relationship is, is even harder. And the question for all of us coming out of this is, are we actively growing our relationship and experiences with Jesus? Are we in similar positions to gain experiences as intensely as Peter did with Jesus? Are we seriously listening, seriously watching and learning and being ready to act radically every single day. What an ask. What an absolute ask that is. But are we? Because fundamentally, we have, that, we have the opportunity to. And that's what we see Peter went through. So let's look at some of the things that Peter did. Let's look at some of the things that we've talked about the stories. But what was he actually doing that we can sort of reflect on? So he obeyed. He obeyed Jesus. When Jesus told him to leave his boat, he followed him. He declared who Jesus was. When Jesus asked Peter who he was, Peter declared him Messiah, son of the living God. He asked, I thought this was quite interesting, before Peter stepped out on the water on the boat, he asked, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you on the water. It was almost a prayer. Lord, if it's you, tell me it's you, and I will step out. And then it all went a bit wrong, but he stepped out. (laughs) He trusted as well. When Jesus replied, come on the boat, Peter obeyed again and walked out and did it. Um, With each day, we're presented with a fresh opportunity to listen, to pray, obey, trust, and declare who Jesus is. Taking these actions with us into our day, and we'll present us with even more opportunities to hear him speak and learn from him. And this is just so much more than a Sunday thing. This is so much more than a reading my Bible in the morning thing. This is a walking through the life, asking being willing to take experiences to get ever so closer to God. Are we taking actions and growing our personal relationships so that when Jesus does have a need to look our way, and this is the real important bit in it for me, 
is when Jesus takes that look at us, just as Jesus looked at Peter, just as that glare that we're used to from our family members, when he takes that look at us and doesn't say anything, are we listening? Are we aware? Are we alert to catch that Jesus has looked at us? Because it's quite possible that if we're busy in the world, focusing on completely different things, that Jesus could be saying, I want to speak to you here, and we're just not listening. We're not in a position, we're not to be presenting ourselves to God. And again, Pete was lucky enough to be in the position where he physically saw Jesus see him, and it was very clear that that was, uh, that was happening. One of the things, and this is an example of the things we can do, is, is um, praying into the little things, really, and asking, as we saw Peter do, and writing things down. I had an example of this this week with, with Becky, and I, I just think it's great because we, again, this is just a way in, in being able to catch the little things of God and be actively looking and praying for him in our lives. It's when we write things down and make a note of our prayers, which is sometimes, <laughs> it's very difficult to do, it's difficult for me to do. Um, but we'll sometimes miss things. We, we might miss casual glances from God when he's trying to talk to us, when he's trying to teach us. If we don't actually make a note of some of the things we think he said to us, or if we don't make a note of some of the things we pray for, we won't, might not necessarily remember when they're answered because we'll be too busy focusing on whatever life's throwing at us as well at the time. So I had a great example with, with Becky recently. Um, works, my work's been really, really busy, uh, and I've been on my own in the office this week because my colleagues are all on leave. And... Becky just prayed for me because it's just been, yeah, manic. And one of Becky's prayers in that morning was just to say that, that we pray that Steve gets noticed that he's working hard and on his own this week, so he feels supported. Um, and I'd actually forgotten that Becky had prayed that, but when I got into the office, one of my bosses in the Manchester office said, I've noticed you on your own, are you all right? It's amazing, and I felt so warmed and loved by the fact that he took that time out to ask me how I was. So I messaged Becky to say, how are you getting on, to say... Uh, he'd said this, and she said, well, that's what I prayed for. I said, oh, yeah, you did. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> so you even forgot it. But still, it's an example. If we write these things down, if we can reflect on them, if we hold ourselves accountable to each other, um, we'll catch these little prayers when they happen, these little messages, these little times. Um, going back to denying, we all have opportunities to deny or lessen who God is. It's not necessarily about outright denying. This message can apply to just taming down, yeah, dumbing down who God is. Um, it's important that we keep working on building our relationship with God and recognize what our own experiences are. It's just, just to summarize. So in those times when Jesus takes a stern look at us and reminds us of the power of the relationship he has with us, we understand and we hear God and we're able to weep bitterly like Peter did. And again, there's a communion coming up after this. Just before I go on the next point, I want to just push into Jesus, just the Holy Spirit sense of forgiveness that's ha- that I kind of felt this morning from the worship. It was in the songs. And also seeing the real power of Jesus move uh, in Joe's video that was up on there, seeing all those people getting prayer. And I was really reminded of how, how radically Jesus can heal when we're in that position of forgiveness, when this all sounds well and good, Steve, but it's so hard to do some of these things when I'm just beating myself up, when I'm in Pete's position, and I'm in that position, I'm a broken, beaten Peter as much as anybody, as I find this difficult as much as everyone else. But we have that opportunity to present ourselves to Jesus, and I can tell you that Jesus' healing power can move beyond 
Um, I've forgotten the word now. His power can move us beyond any feelings, uh, and uh, it can move us beyond any need of forgiveness, where we feel like we can't be forgiven. His power is so, so powerful that he can move you from a position of feeling so worthless and so invaluable to the position of Pete, where he goes and builds his church by performing miracles and being a man of God's power. There is no reason why that isn't you, because this Jesus is the same Jesus. And if there's an opportunity, so we get to present ourselves in front of Jesus today with communion. But we also can present ourselves at the end to Jesus anyway, personally. But if we want to come up for prayer and get some declaration on this, take that opportunity. So the second point, I know I'm already overrunning, is that we can just impact the experience of those around us um, who don't know Jesus in order for them to gain that relationship with him. This could be our colleagues, our school friends, our families, our youth in the church. I mean, that was one of the reasons for kind of coming up, thinking on this area in the first place, was from where Claire came up and shared about the prayers for our youth. And actually, since I initially had this thought, you know, we've heard some great stories about the United Weekend Away and where we've been really pushing into that, which is absolutely fantastic. But the emphasis comes with our youth as much as it does with the people around us. Peter first followed Jesus, having heard him teach to a crowd of people and then witness him perform a miracle. Following Peter's restoration, we see in Acts him teaching, performing miracles and growing the church. He watched what Jesus did. He witnessed what Jesus did. He went out and did it himself. Being a witness. The responsibility for us today is to be that witness to the ends of the earth. Again, teaching lovely back to what Ben taught us last week. And are we living our lives in this same way? Are we teaching? Are we witnessing? Are we introducing others to Jesus? And it's beautiful watching Olivia, my 18-month-old girl, grow up as she explores and learns more about the world around her. It's lovely. And through this, Becky and I are so, so acutely aware of our responsibility to demonstrate Jesus and the gospel to her because we're her parents. It is purely, you know, we, we come and bring her to church. We hope others will help us. But it's our responsibility for her to know Jesus. And... We understand that, and we, make a dis- um, we, yeah, we ultimately understand that Olivia's going to make a decision on her own faith. Uh, but I know from my own testimony, becoming a Christian at the age of 21, that every single encounter with a Christian in person, demonstrating their faith in action, in words, in prayers, make a real difference. I had people praying for me for a good, what now, five years that I never knew the impact of until Jesus really came and spoke to me. It's such a challenge to think, yes, Becky and I have that responsibility for Olivia but, uh, to demonstrate our faith, but actually we have that responsibility to, to witness this to everybody. We have the responsibility to witness to Olivia because she's our child and through the fact that we're her parents, but Jesus has given us the responsibility to be that same witness to everybody. And when I see someone walking down the streets, do I have that same passionate feeling in my heart that I really want you to be a Christian like the same when I'm teaching Olivia? No, but I should. And that, that is a challenge. That is an absolute challenge there. It's so hard. When you get that opportunity walking home from church last week, talking about being a witness, a woman asked me to help me um, with moving her seats in a car. She was getting stuck and I was just passing by and she just said, can you come and give me a hand? So I gave her a hand. And I was already thinking, God, can you work in this sort of situation? And then I, I just kind of wussed out and walked on. <laughs> as we do, as we do, this is our own fallibility here. This is us being Peter going, I've denied you again, I've denied you again. But again, he was forgiven. Look what Peter became when he got it, when he really got it. The verse of the day in the Bible was just um, in the Bible app, which we like to use. 
Um, it's from the Good News translation. It basically says, "Be wise. To be wise, you first have reverence for the Lord. If you know the Holy One, you have understanding. Having fear for God, knowing Him, really knowing Him, really knowing His message is going to have that impact when we have that imp- encounter with other people just out in the streets. Draw closer to Him. Put His kingdom first." And then things will change around you. And it's something I think we all need to be accepting as our responsibility to make that impact. We all have that opportunity for impact when we rub shoulders with people. Every day we're just brushing past others. And we all yeah, get that opportunity to make an impact on people's life. So just to summarize, if someone doesn't know Jesus, he could be looking, wait, if someone doesn't know Jesus, Jesus could be looking straight at them and they don't even know who Jesus is. Um, but maybe one day, and similar to my testimony story, which one day I may get to share, is, is that instead of the rooster crowing, it may be something that you said or did to them that might be that thing that when that Jesus glares, they suddenly remember and they go, oh, wow, there is a big God speaking to me right now. We've got a responsibility to ourselves and for others to grow our relationship with Jesus, to make ourselves accountable to him and to honor his commands. Um, it's sure not easy. Peter would agree with that. I'm agreeing with that. But our gracious God is so compassionate he loves us that he keeps taking us back, keeps restoring us, and keeps sending us out. And if anyone's in that position to not be sent out today to go and try again, take that communion, give yourself to God, come get prayer, and let's try again. Cool. Set. <laughs> Any other aspects? If anyone's got, um, if anyone's got a feeling for reaching out to others and hasn't acted on it, if they've had a reason or an opportunity to reach out for others but hasn't acted on it before, again, come up, get some prayer for that, and say, "This time, God, I'm just going to do it <laughs> and make that difference." Cool. Excellent. All right. Thank you, Steve.